welcome to the Powerhouse Politics Podcast. I'm Chief ABC News White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. I guess I was really the ABC News Chief White House it Correspondent. Doesn't matter. Hey, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's, it's good. It's good. Uh, so, Rick, we got quite a show today. We're going to be talking to uh, to uh, Donald Trump critic who's uh, getting death threats. But uh, but interesting week. The, uh, the 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 pace of appointments to cabinet level positions uh, continues at a quite rapid pace. We still know very little about the White House staff. But we only have a handful of appointments. You know, Flynn, National Security Advisor, obviously uh, Bannon. Uh, and Reince Priebus, uh, but we—I mean, there's—we don't know who the press secretary is. We don't know—we don't know all those critical deputy chief of staff jobs. I mean, it's—he's uh, way behind pace on that, even yeah. as he's actually ahead of pace on his cabinet. But the cabinet picks, um, very interesting. Just after uh, he meets with Leonardo DiCaprio, a uh, big environmental anti-global warming activist, and Al Gore, who you remember. Um, um, you know, an inconvenient truth. Uh, I think he ran for president. I heard uh, of him? Yeah. Uh, met had a, had what he called a very extremely interesting meeting um, with Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump, and then he turns around and he appoints uh, Scott Pruitt, the uh, Attorney General um, from the the great state of Oklahoma, as his EPA administrator. And this is a man who is known publicly mostly as the guy that sues the EPA that has put himself on record as against just about every major regulation of the Obama era. So you can expect him to undo most of those regulations. And this has caused quite a stir in environmental circles because, as you say, on one hand, you meet with Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio and you suggest that global warming is real. Now you have a climate change denier who is slated to become the, the head of the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, and, and, John, I'm struck by, the, even in a broader sense, Trump has managed to come out with cabinet picks that are at once totally expected and also very surprising, which is classic Trump. So he he has not turned to a whole raft of loyalists. In fact, your reporting shows that there, there, there are quite a few of the of, of the early Trump folks who still don't have jobs in this White House. And yet he does seem to be making picks that are in line with his broad thinking and what he said he would do. And this is a man who did say that global warming is a hoax caused by China. Uh, so you should not be surprised to get an EPA administrator like this, despite what he would say to an Al Gore. I mean, Dan Pfeiffer, uh, obviously uh, former uh, senior advisor to President Obama, uh, called the Pruitt pick an existential threat to our planet. Uh, wow. it, it, not, it has a... not been received very well uh, by environmental activists. Yet if you were listening to Trump's uh, speech uh, in North Carolina on Tuesday, North Carolina, yeah. right? Uh, he had a line that I had n- never heard him say, uh, praising, you know, t- reminding everybody that, you know, the Republicans were the party of Teddy Roosevelt and the importance of protecting the environment and how dedicated he was to that. Um, and it's it's interesting. Then you got this, you know, the meeting just just yesterday with uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio, um, and then the Pruitt pick. I, I, I mean, I I would imagine more important than the rhetoric and the meetings is who's running the EPA. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and, and I think even even more broadly. You've got a guy who he is clearly hated by many, but he likes to be loved. And he does say things to all people at different times that would suggest, yeah, I'm with you. And and I think 
there's a sense of last man in the room having sway over him. There's a sense of not telling anyone to their face that he's not going to be with you. He wants to win people over. And you could see him being quite charming with an Al Gore or a Leonardo DiCaprio. But, of course, as you point out, it's the actions that matter here. And, and you only get to have one climate policy at a time and one set of regulations at a time. And if you have an EPA administrator who's going to come in and, and, and back out of the Paris Climate Accords right away, that's a concrete action. And, and there's no amount of meetings or, or nice talk that's gonna, that are going to change that. But he is the president, and uh, he's not going to back out of – I mean, the, the EPA administrator won't be able to, w- against the president's will, back out of the Climate Accord Agreement. I, I think that we're seeing a very unpredictable, which is, I guess, entirely predictable, uh, 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 a team uh, emerging here. I mean, we've got, you know, obviously some very conservative, some very ideological appointments, but a, but, but a president that does not seem ideological – um, I, I think that we could be gearing up for potentially some big fights with Republicans in the Congress. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm hearing that, that he's very serious about this idea of a big spending infrastructure bill. We have no details yet. We don't know. I mean, is this going to be just a bunch of tax credits that Republicans will be able to buy into? Or is it, it going to be an old-fashioned, you know, jobs uh, infrastructure uh, bill? Uh, industrial policy, but what he's done with these, um, you know, with, with with you know, going after Boeing the way he did, obviously the carrier deal, you know, he he is seeming. I mean, it. it this is a guy who could find himself um, a president who could find himself in a, in a in a pretty serious fight with Republican leaders and looking to try to form some alliances. On the Democratic side, I don't know, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, but yeah. we, we could be seeing the first kind of independent president in American history because yeah. he is not wedded to the ideology or the party. Yeah, I, I was talking to someone the other day who made the point, you know, you remember back in the days when the Freedom Caucus seemed to, to dominate? They're irrelevant right now. And that's a good thing for Paul Ryan until it isn't a good thing for Paul Ryan in the right. House. And, and you see what what President-elect Trump has said about tariffs. You had immediate pushback from top Republican House leadership on McCarthy that. McCarthy and Ryan. Both saying that's not how we do business and, and a lot of the business interests behind the Republican Party. I think all sides are But by the way, in that, that in that speech on Tuesday, he repeated it. He didn't use the 35% tariff, but he said companies that – leave the United States, uh, take jobs overseas, and try to sell their products back, we'll, we'll pay a penalty. Right, a penalty. And that, that's something you won't get a lot of Republican buy-in for. I, and I, no one knows what to expect in, in terms of that piece of the governance. The other thing that I'm fascinated, and we saw this emerge a little bit, and you mentioned the Boeing deal, is that you had the, the president-elect of the United States threaten a federal contract of, of, of a company uh, where the CEO had just come out in opposition to him on trade. Now, uh, James Holman from the Washington Post had a good line today. He says, you know, Nixon had an enemies list, but he kept it secret. Yeah. It seems like Donald Trump puts his on Twitter. And the way now, Trump that, claimed he didn't see that article. Okay, fine. I, okay. I, I, if you believe him, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you a dollar here. I, 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 the timing is such, and, and his past history is such. He, he responds to inputs. He, he responds to things he sees on cable television. We'll talk about a little bit about the, about the, 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 the union head who was on CNN and gets himself called out on Twitter a few minutes later that was by incredible. Donald Trump. So, so he is using the bully pulpit to be a bully. And he's using it to do it in very personal ways that, that go beyond the bounds of anything we've seen in the past. Individual people, individual companies, private citizens, private entities that are being called out by the president-elect of the United States, that gets complicated very fast. And, of course, he, he can't conduct a jobs program by going company by company by company. I mean, 
the carrier deal, and right. it can be debated back and forth. There are still jobs going to Mexico. There, there are definitely jobs being saved in Indiana. There's definitely a price being paid for those jobs, uh, go, you know, uh, staying in Indiana. But, you know, that's you know, you, you, you don't you don't kind of this is an economy where you need to grow a couple of million jobs uh, uh, just just to, just just to stay afloat. Just but to what keep but what Trump has always understood, John, is the power of the symbolism here. And I'd yeah. even go back to something that that um, friend of the program Corey Lewandowski said last yes. week uh, at the at that Harvard election forum. He said the the problem the media made was taking Donald Trump literally. Even in this case, if you just take the literal job numbers as the only important part of the story, or the literal cost savings right. of of Air Force One's contract with Boeing, you're missing the broader point. Because to his base, to the folks who were very excited about a Trump presidency and a, a country that's generally optimistic about it, and according to a recent poll. The, the symbolism matters. And here he is going to bat for the American worker. And there's a thousand families in Indiana that have jobs. And there are taxpayers who can say, look, that's exactly what we need to be doing. He taps into that. And, and that's, that's, I think, the, the big secret to his success. And by the way, there have been cost overruns uh, on Pentagon contracts for as long as there have been Pentagon contracts. Of course. So to see him come in, this is a this is a small look. Even if even if you take the four billion dollar number which he put out, I mean estimates are are, are lower than that. But Lord knows, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to ultimately go more than four billion dollars. Um, you know, even if you acknowledge that's a small part of the overall Pentagon budget, it does send. A message. It does That's send right. a message, right. and I think and, that message. You know, yeah. and, and, and you almost kind of think, well, why not? I mean, because because right. this problem has existed. There have been countless reports by Pentagon watchdogs, by outside the government watchdogs, talking about uh, you know problems with uh, with 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 uh, Pentagon contracting. So if it sends, if it's a symbolic message that tells everybody that's involved with that, watch out. You could be called out. You know. That's, I mean, why not? Yeah, and 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 if. If members of the business community are looking at this, members of the international community are looking at this and saying, well, yeah. this is how he's going to do business right now. We better get serious about this. You know, if he trims even a you know, couple hundred million from the, from the a Boeing contract over this, if, they, if the feeling is this is who we're dealing with and it's a whole new ballgame, uh, Trump was very blatant about that. He, you know, we're, sick of, we're sick of losing in the country, he would say. You want to go out there and win. And part of it is, is doing that and, and bringing a much different, uh, a much different sense of, of the role of the presidency, even if it's a small number of jobs at a time, a small number of dollars at a time. He is the president-elect, right? I believe that to be the case. Although, John, do you know if that's official? Official, official, uh, well, like constitutionally the, official. It's uh, who actually elects the president. Help me out, because you're you're you, you're a you're a smart guy. Well, uh, I I believe if I remember high school civics right, uh, and and I I should say that it's been a while. You have this thing called the electoral college. Actually, good nobody school. nobody has been elected president yet. Because uh, the electors haven't met, they haven't actually cast their votes. That's right. That's right. And it's they've still- been allocated the states and all that. But these are these are actual human beings. The five hundred and thirty eight electors. That's right. Are actual people that are chosen by each state, and they have not cast their votes yet. That's right. And until those votes are cast in the states, uh, and you've got about two weeks before that happens, week and a half before that happens, uh, and then those states are certified by the United States Congress, you don't actually have the constitutional processes, the wheels in motion to create a president-elect. That's which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and uh, and Hamilton was the guy, the architect of the uh, electoral college, and. Heard of him? He 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 saw this. Yeah, subject of a of a musical, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like hairspray, except how. And, and he was really into the checks and balances, and this was like one final check. These these yeah. these individuals. So, we're going to talk very shortly to one of the electors who has come out publicly to say 
that although his state voted for Donald Trump, he is not going to be voting for Donald Trump. Very interesting process. We're going to do a little civics lesson, and we're going to uh, and we're going to we're going to talk to this guy and what kind of an what kind of a reaction he's had to coming out publicly and saying that. But one other point you brought up, um, which is this question of the of 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 the Trump loyalists. Yeah, this is this is fascinating because Trump is a guy who is you know always had a reputation for valuing loyalty. Um, and if you look at the picks so far, both in the very few that have been White House staff. Uh, and the cabinet, the thing that's been largely absent have been longtime Trump loyalists. There's, as far as I can tell, nobody that was part of the campaign in 2015 when he really, you know, built the momentum that helped him win uh, the nomination that has been named to any, at least publicly named to any any post. Uh, his most high-profile political supporters, Rudy Giuliani, Newt Gingrich, Chris Christie, are all left, at least for now, without any appointments. There's one There's one significant exception to this. Jeff Sessions came yeah. on quite early and was critical, and he's a big part of the transition, and, of course, he's the attorney general nominee. Uh, but that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I, I think it's counter to what a lot of people might have expected. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the you have Ben Carson, who, was, who came on uh, a little bit later in the primary process. So th- th- these are people... There are very few people that he's turned to so far who are outwardly hostile toward him. Choosing Mitt Romney. Well, I mean, there is Nikki Haley. That's true. That's true. uh, The UN. UN, That's right. Who 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 strongly opposed him. I mean, her response to the to the State of the Union going back to that, and of course in the South Carolina primary, which he uh, uh, turned out to win. Um, And um, you know, uh, you've got Betsy DeVos, uh, the incoming Education Secretary, had been quite critical of him. Uh, you know, Reince Priebus is the chief of staff. He was certainly important to him once he got the nomination. I don't know Definitely if Warren was, was actually really you yeah. know, working with him very much during that primary process. Yeah, and, and look, uh, you're going to have a hard time finding outside critics who say, why isn't he rewarding Who do you think Reince voted for in the Wisconsin primary? Do we know that? Uh, you got to get I, him on the phone I and don't know. <laughs> He's a great question. You, you, great you, think question. It was, you think it was Donald Trump? I have a hard time believing that it okay. was that it was, it was Donald just, Trump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if Scott Walker was stay, stayed on the ballot, maybe, maybe it was yeah. Scott. I don't. Think I just so. you know we, we should we should take a look at that. I'm <laughs> yeah. just curious. I wonder if Trump's asked him that. Yeah, good um, question. But it's interesting. So you could say this is uh, this is a, a, a good sign. He's not going right. to point political cronies to to, to to key positions. He's going to. He's going to do what he promised, which is you know uh, you know get the best people for the best for for, for the critical post. We'll see, we'll That's see. Right. And right. then, and then before we go to our elector, yes. um, which which I'm 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 fascinated to talk. To. I've never interviewed a uh, an actual member of the electoral college. So this is this is big. Uh, what about the, the secretary of state, Rick? Do you can you give us your uh, can you handicap it? Is, is is it going to be Romney? Who do you think is going to be the uh, the Secretary of State? I have been skeptical on the Mitt thing forever. Uh, there was a Newt Gingrich was was quoted uh, in a Yahoo News column uh, saying, you know, he's not not serious about Mitt, but I'll tell you, he's having a good time uh, with with this with this whole process. I don't think it's going to be Mitt Romney. Uh, I, I, okay. I I have. I've so been thinking. Be? I've been thinking Bob Corker is a more consensus you think he's choice. Pick Bob Corker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think there's there's still a lobby for that, Rudy for for I mean, rewarding Bob Corker, loyalists. Okay, I understand he clearly is qualified as the chairman of the right. Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I understand he could easily be confirmed. He's a member of the club, and you know he's he's, right. he's well regarded by by Republicans and Democrats in in the Senate. But why would you choose a guy just because he's well qualified and easy to confirm? <laughs> because your signal, because Trump sends a lot of conflicting signals, and, and among them, he can he can have some fun with some other picks. 
and, and and put some loyalists in some other places. And and but I think he takes this one seriously. Look at the way the process, the way it's played out. I mean, I, I don't think John Huntsman is is a serious contender either. But I think he has tried to to get the most he could out of the symbolism of going point by point on this. So one I, one, I, one Romney critic in Trump world, by the way, uh, who who would like Huntsman told me, look, Huntsman's better qualified for the job than Mitt Romney. Uh, he's richer than Mitt Romney, and he's better looking than Mitt Romney. <laughs> Debatable. I don't know. You, you need a poll on that one. But it, it is fair to say I think you'd agree that this is the, the highest profile pick he's going to have, and that he's taking he's doing it with more deliberate speed than any of his other picks. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We are going to talk with faithless elector, member of the Electoral College, committed to Trump, who says he's not going to vote for Donald Trump. We're going to talk to him in just a minute. Hey, it's Rick here. We have another new podcast from ABC News to tell you about. It is Popcorn with Peter Travers. He talks to the biggest Hollywood stars, and I mean the absolute biggest. They stop by to talk about their new films and open up about their experience in the business. Again, that is Popcorn with Peter Travers. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics, and we're joined now by one of the 538, one of the members of the Electoral College, from the state of Texas, Chris Super. And Chris, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So uh, Texas obviously went for Donald Trump, uh, which we, uh, on election night, we're counting all our electoral votes. We firmly put those votes in Trump's, uh, in, in, in Trump's category. But you have come out and you have said that you're actually not going to vote for Donald Trump on the Electoral College meets later this month. Correct. Uh, as I noted in my op-ed, I think he's failed Hamilton's three-pronged test. I'm not sure he can defend America safely. That's something we talked about during the campaign when 50 Republican colleagues who were national security and foreign policy experts said he would be a danger uh, if he were elected in November. I think he's the only candidate I'm aware of who ever asked a foreign country to hack his political opponent's email account to find out what's in them, which I consider almost an invitation to espionage. We know he's been a demagogue. He's not attempted to unite the country. Uh, even when Time Magazine made him their person of the year, uh, they called him president of the divided states of America. And finally, most objectively, he seems to have a, uh, financial conflicts of interest, which he won't resolve. And he feels very comfortable, it seems, playing fast and loose with the rules as he's done for years. So let's let's take a step back uh, and, and just can you, can you explain how, first of all, how did you end up being an elector? How did you end up being uh, one, one of the electors from Texas? Sure. You run as a candidate yourself at, at your state party convention. So did you, so did, you, it, it, did you at the time make a commitment or, or were you when was asked? This? this was May, This right? was back in May, right? This was back in May. Uh, we were asked to sign pledges to support the eventual nominee, which I did. Uh, I did not know that he was not going to resolve his financial conflicts of interest at that time. Uh, I did not know he was going to continue to demagogue people as he's done. Uh, I think last night we saw where he was uh, berating a union steelworker uh, because he disagreed with them. And I'm pretty confident when North Korea rattles its saber, it's going to be much more difficult words than calling him a liar. So, so you made you made the pledge back then. And at what point did you decide that this that this would not be someone that could earn your vote in the electoral college? I started having very serious doubts two weeks ago. When on the Sunday talk shows, Mr. Trump started talking about the phantom three million illegal votes, where he was attacking members of the press for exercising their First Amendment rights. But this past weekend, uh, when Governor Pence started parroting the same phrase, I realized this would be an administration 
that would attack our constitutional freedoms and it was undercutting its own election. It's attacking the institution that would provide it a pathway to the White House. So, as you know, there have been there have been scattered instances of uh, of so-called faithless electors or rogue electors in, in past elections. I'm curious, are you talking to other potential Republican defectors? We know there's a group of Democratic electors who have been trying to they're calling themselves Hamilton electors, to your point, that are trying to get Republicans to uh, to not vote for Donald Trump. You said you'd vote for Kasich. But are, are you talking to anyone else in other states who might also be casting their ballot for someone other than Mr. Trump? I don't want to say who I'm speaking with, obviously. Uh, when I first started this, this was uh, an event that I did myself uh, to be accountable for my vote and not to hide behind anything. Uh, but at this point, there are people who have reached out to me. Again, it wouldn't be my place to name who they are. Are they electors, though? Are they Republican electors? They are Republican electors. And I'm confident in saying at this point, I don't think I will be the only one uh, voting for someone other than Donald Trump, who is carrying a Republican elector seat. So you, you wrote this op-ed in the New York Times, so you've been very public on this. Some, in, in some of the faithless electors we've seen in the past have, have actually done this uh, anonymously. Um, what's been the reaction? Uh, Trump critics tend not to be... Uh, uh, t- tend not to be shy and uh, in, in taking... In, I mean, you know, Trump, Trump defenders tend not to be shy in taking on Trump critics. Well, and point of fact, I've, I've received several Twitter uh, threats directly. Uh, I've been told that this is a type of action that leads to insurrection, which I think is unfortunate because ultimately this is a legal vote. This is found in our Constitution. If I uh, vote for him and he goes down to 305, it won't have any effect on whether or not he becomes president. If somehow there are 37 other Republicans who come out, the choice is also clear or the pathway is still clear it'll go to the house of representatives so there has been some backlash unfortunately uh, there is trump backers who think violence is the answer uh, and, and part of that goes back to donald trump he's been very comfortable demagoguing people and calling people out from the podium encouraging violence against those he disagrees with have you been threatened but the other ba- well the other backlash i want to speak of if i can just real quickly is I've heard from other people in Texas. I've heard from people across the country. I've heard from people outside the country who all say, this is the type of action that restores my faith in the United States. This is a great action. You're taking a bunch of arrows. Uh, I can't believe you're taking the arrows you're taking, but thank you for doing that because hopefully others will come forward. And so let me let me just be clear on one point that you made in, in your op-ed, because you, you, you cite your service and the fact that you were at the Pentagon on 9-11 as a first responder, as a firefighter on 9-11. And you say you took an oath to, uh, to, to stand up against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that you'd be doing the same when the Electoral College uh, convenes. Do you consider Donald Trump to be an enemy, a domestic enemy? I don't consider him an enemy. I do consider him a threat to our democracy. Uh, again, since November 8th, we've seen him attack free press. We've seen him attack First Amendment free speech. We've seen him skip his daily intelligence briefings in favor of calls with Vladimir Putin and attacking the cast of Saturday Night Live. So those are threats when you're taking your job so unseriously, in my estimation. So uh, what's, the, what's the timeline here? First, so you guys meet on December 19th, correct? That's very correct. Where, where, where do you meet? How, how does this how, help us out with the civics? I, I know Rick already knows this stuff, sure. but, but for, <laughs> for, for my purposes, how, how does this all play out? Members of the Electoral College will meet in their state capitals. I do not believe uh, a, a specific time is required of each of the states. 
in our case in Texas, it'll be that afternoon. So I'm flying down that morning and we'll get there. And uh, from there, the process, I think, is elect the chairman of our delegation. We'll receive our ballots uh, for both president and vice president, and we'll write them down, down and submit them. Oh, what are you going to do on VP? Is that a separate ballot for you? There is a separate ballot. Um, I have not chosen president or vice president yet. Well, I thought um, you were voting for Kasich. Well, I put I would like a candidate like Kasich, someone with uh, executive and legislative experience uh, with a large bandwidth like he has. When I've talked to other electors and other uh, people involved in the process, his name comes up most often. But he's also said he might he's not sure he wants the uh, position. And that being the case, uh, I'm in a deliberations phase. I, I have not committed to writing his name at this point, but I'm certainly looking at someone like him. So two, two utter curiosity questions. First, first, a frivolous one. Do you get a pin or a trophy or a badge or something? Like, is there anything that commemorates having service, service in the Electoral College? I have no idea. That's a great question. I know... Because uh, I would want I've one. Got a Twitter, I've, 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 well, <laughs> I've, coached, I've coached Little League for years and been involved with my son's baseball, so the, the house has got plenty of trophies of actual success that... Uh, might matter more in some ways. I guess so. So the other question is, though, do you favor getting rid of the Electoral College? There's been talk of that, as there was after 2000. You mentioned this as as part of Hamilton's uh, idea, but has it outlived this usefulness? Should should it just be the popular vote and and, and be done with this this anachronism of the 18th century? Yeah, actually, I, I am a complete fan of the Electoral College. I think this is how it was intended to protect small states from California and here in Texas, New York and Florida, controlling the election. I don't think four states should control the entire national election. Similarly, I don't think the Electoral College should be a rubber stamp. I know for decades, political parties have mostly used it that way, but that's inappropriate. If there is a cause that someone in good conscience feels is important enough to say, I need to cast my ballot for someone else, whether it's me this year or Mike Patton in 1976, that's why we have an electoral college to put on the brakes and say we need to go in a different direction. Mike Patton was the elector in Washington that voted for Ronald Reagan over Ford. Is that right? That's correct. I believe so, he's a state senator from Washington now. So, so let, but let me ask you though. I've got, I've got two questions, then we're going to let you go. Uh, but you signed a pledge. You signed a pledge to support the, uh, uh, you know, the, the 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 nominee. So what 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 happened? I mean, aren't you breaking your word? Well, I, I am. I have had to take on a new course based on new information. Uh, I think it's funny that Trump supporters have hit me on the pledge question when Donald Trump broke his pledge to support the nominee, I think, at the March 30 Milwaukee Town Hall two months prior. Uh, Mr. Trump said... But he did end up supporting the nominee, to be fair, in the end. Well, he did. In the end, he did end up supporting the nominee because that was him. But we yeah, don't, right, right, we, don't okay. know, we don't know what would have happened if it was someone else. But we also know Mr. Trump has taken more position on issues than perhaps any other candidate in a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, take yeah. abortion. I think one person documented he had five positions on abortion in three days. Um, and then my, my last question to you is, uh, it sounds like your vote is, is kind of up for grabs. You'd like somebody like John Kasich. Uh, have you had anybody campaigning? Anybody anybody <laughs> reaching out to you? John, you know, are you asking for a vote? Case? Are you asking? It sounds like he's campaigning right here. This is not appropriate. I am, I am a natural born citizen of the United States. I am more than I am older than thirty five. I mean, I'm just saying. But uh, <laughs> have people been reaching out to you? 
Uh, no, I, I, in fact, if they were reaching out to me, I think I would be a little bit nervous about that person as a candidate. Okay, so uh, I'm not doing that, just to be clear. I'm not, uh, I'm not asking for your vote. Mr. Carl, I'm waiting to hear who your vice president would be. Um, but seriously, I, as electors come forward, and I have conversations with other Republican electors in particular, I think we're going to start discussing names specifically and see who meets uh, the test that we could all get behind. Because the point of this isn't uh, just to go down there and raise a little ruckus. It's to vote for the person we think would best be able to hold the position, execute the office. All right. Chris Suprin, member of the Electoral College from the state of Texas, firefighter, was there at Pentagon on 9-11. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to, uh, to talk to us, and we'll be watching for you on December 19th. Great. Thanks very much. Come down to Texas, have some barbecue. Oh, man, that sounds like a junket. I love it. I love it. Into Austin. All right. So I don't know, Rick. I, 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 think, I think Trump's still going to pull this off. I, yeah, uh, probably. You know. You don't know. I mean, look, I, I, I love the Hamilton tie-in here because, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Hamilton is uh, a darling of the left right now. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and the fact that, that that popular musical and the cast calling out uh, Mike Pence. But it, Hamilton was uh, one of the main big brains behind the Electoral College. And his vision for the Electoral College, as he outlined, was a little bit different than what it's evolved into being. So whatever the argument of whether you keep it or not, this is an originalist sentiment in a way, to, say, to go back to the idea that the Electoral College is another check and balance uh, against the people and that there should be some independent judgment that, that, that is applied. So, look, th- this argument is, is going to be largely settled. As, as Chris mentioned, he'd need 37 people joining with him to, to change the outcome, uh, throw, the, throw the election to the House of Representatives and create you know, utter and pure chaos. Uh, that's not going to happen in, in, all, in all realistic likelihood. But, uh, but the discussion around it is a fascinating one. And I well, think it sure is, especially if you're into kind of constitutional law and, and all of that. I mean, especially because you and I spent a lot of time, as you recall, in the lead up to the election, talking about the possibility of a 269, 269 yeah. deadlock in the Electoral College, because one of the main pathways put forth by the Trump uh, team would have gotten them 270, uh, it, one fascinating thing is if it had gotten to 270 and, you know, our, our man Chris Suprin was, uh, was in the yeah. college, uh, it could have thrown this into, into chaos. I imagine there would be a Supreme Court challenge on this uh, right. as, and as to whether or not he was pledged because of the pledge he signed. There's even another check, which is the Senate certifying uh, yeah. the, the, the results of the Electoral College. And would they certify someone who, who violated that pledge? Uh, so I, right. But I, well, I, I think the discussion – Taking it out of the academic realm is an important one because yeah. it does highlight this this piece of the Constitution that's actually an important piece of how we wind up electing a president. I, I'm I'm waiting for Donald Trump to respond to this because I, you know he's responded to quite a bit. He still says he won the popular vote, which he did not. Uh, he's he's responding to individual union leaders in states. Uh, it, it, and, it, and it has the effect of building up adversaries sometimes. Well, uh, and well in Mr. This Trump, case, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're, we're, we're open anytime. Give us a call. <laughs> we, we'd love to hear your reaction to this. That's right. Indeed. Indeed. What does he think about faithless electors? Love to know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that is it for this week's edition of Powerhouse Politics. Thank you for listening to the podcast. we got a big week next week, by the way, Rick. We do. It's conflict of interest week. Conflict. Of, well, we had a press conference, yes. an alleged press conference, an alleged from, press from, conference. From Donald Trump. We'll learn what he's going to do with his business interests. That'll be fun. I'm going to declare point blank right now the winners next week, the big winners. 
I'm going to declare Eric and Donald Trump <laughs> Jr. getting the entire company. It's fantastic. Heirs to the throne. Heirs to the throne. All right. Well, we'll see. We don't know the details yet. Uh, thank you for listening. Remember, you can sign up for the podcast uh, on iTunes or wherever the heck you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.